This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, and I'm just going to read Joel 2, verses 12 and 13. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. A uh, little bit of a change of pace from last week. I know some of you may be disappointed because we started apocalyptic studies, um, and you're so into that. So... Um, but we're going to be starting a Lenten series that's going to carry through uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday, and we're going to start that today. And as a ministry staff, we, we've been very excited for this, and we're, our hope is that it draws all of us closer to the heart of God um, in the next couple of months. So for those of you really looking forward to Daniel, we'll restart that, um, Daniel chapter 8, after Easter. But for this Lenten season... We're going to be uh, focusing our theme around returning our hearts to God. And so that's our theme. And each of, each of you should have received this little booklet up front. If you haven't, um, just put your hand up and we can get one to you. But you should have received one of these booklets. Uh, it gives you a little bit of the what, why, and how um, to our theme. And um, you can open it up. And uh, the what is right there. It says, as a church family... During this Lenten season, we desire to communally practice the spiritual discipline of fasting from food to consciously experience God's sustenance to our whole being. That's the communal part, and it may be a little bit scary, but we're going to do it together. So if you've never fasted before, we'll, we'll do that together uh, and uh, try it out, you know, dab into it a little bit and then grow into that. And so that's the part that we're encouraging everyone to participate in. And the more personal part is right below that. In our everyday life, uh, this Lenten season, we encourage a personal fast from something that may keep you separated or distracted from God. So this first part is a fast that we're going to do together. The second portion is something that's a little bit more personal that doesn't necessarily mean food or fasting from food. And we'll talk about the community fast first. And, and why we're doing that, and, and then we'll talk about that second piece. But in, in the Bible, particularly with Jesus, uh, fasting is a way to experience and to depend on the reality of the kingdom, the, the presence, the power of God, and not our own flesh. So in doing this together, the, the hope is for us to train our hearts to turn to God and to move us to a greater humility and freedom in God. And so how are we going to do this? You just flip the page. Steph made these cute little things, by the way. Thank you, Steph. Um, and we're inviting um, everyone to abstain each day from one or two meals, Monday through Saturday. And if you've practiced fasting, feel free to abstain longer if, this, if that's not a big deal for you. But if, you, if this is something new, you've never fasted ever before, just, let's just start slow with you and, and, and start with one meal, skip one, one meal per day. And it's not something that we're encouraging children to do or, or 
folks with uh, health issues or nursing mothers or pregnant women. Um, but if you have those kind of questions, check with your physician about that. But skipping one meal probably doesn't affect most of us. And now the idea is to fast as a community, returning our hearts to God in, in prayer, in study, in communion, in meditation, silence while fasting throughout the week. And, and then on Sunday to practice another spiritual discipline, feasting, which we're very good at. And um, so with that money that you save throughout the week, um, whether that's one meal or two meals, so six to 12 meals, with that money that you saved, we're asking that you would bless somebody, that you would bless someone at the church and to get to know them and to, uh, to bless someone in the church maybe that doesn't get to do that that often or maybe doesn't know that many people. Or, or you can do it in other ways. The tithe and offering bins are in the back of the church there. Feel free to uh, put something in there as we feed our homeless community or we reach out to our refugee community or the various other things that the church does. But we're hoping that what this does is it gets us to share our times together about this returning our hearts to God, that you would use that time as a time of fellowship to talk about those stories and see what God's doing throughout the week in your life and, and to share those stories, to be generous towards one another, to extend kindness to one another. So that's, that's kind of the hope. And so you'll notice that when we slightly open these doors. There's not the spread of food that there is during halftime because the hope is go have brunch. Go, go do something together and, uh, and, and not necessarily just have the, the food here, but, but go, go enjoy each other's fellowship, getting to know one another. And so that's the communal side of fasting that we're going to practice the next couple months. And then there's this personal fast individually where you abstain, you, would, you fast from something that has a hold on you. To abstain from something that you can be freed from that currently has you in bondage. And, and with this one, we're encouraging people to join a home group as they do this so that you can actually have people to support you through this time and pray with you during this time and encourage you and encourage that decision that you made uh, as to what to abstain from. And so there are folks who struggle with substances or porn or overwork, gossip, anger, whatever it is that, that has a hold on you. And it doesn't have to be something necessarily that's even wrong but it just has a hold on you. It's just some sort of unhealthy attachment that you have. And so it's to show that it doesn't have control over you, and we want to provide you a season where we come support you with a home group and free you, break free of that thing that has a power over you. So please visit a home group, see how one of those groups can be of support to you during this time of Lent. And so this little booklet is just a, a starter booklet to help things get going. There's a, a, a few pages in there that are blank just to allow you to jot down some notes. It's, it's pretty small, so you might need a larger journal. But in, in some of those blank pages, feel free to sh put down your thoughts and your prayers or if something inspires you to draw something or a Bible verse and and then you can share that, bring that to your home group or, or bring that to church and share it with a group here um, when you go to lunch or brunch or whatever that is. So we hope that this is going to be a helpful time. We hope that this is a helpful tool that encourages us to return our hearts to God. And so with that first 
message that we were discussing as, as a ministry staff team during this Lenten season came to Joel chapter 2. And um, Joel's name means Jehovah is God or, or the Lord is God. And what the prophet Joel is doing here is he is sounding the alarm of God's judgment against sin. He sees the spiritual needs. He sees the dire conditions of his community, community, and he so desperately wants them to live the type of life that God has for them, this, this great, abundant, loving life. But then they're caught up in this darkness, and they're, they're caught up in this brokenness. Now, when Joel wrote this, the, the people had already suffered a plague of locusts back in chapter 1. And and this plague of locusts was this warning sign from God, a judgment from God because of their sin and this darkness and the separation from God. And so in verse 13, Joel tells people to render their hearts, not their garments, but that's not what the people did. Now their sign of suffering was this outward sign of tearing their garments rather than a sign of repentance, an inward sign of tearing at their hearts. So let's take a look at verses 1 and 2 here. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is a spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful people there like has never been before, nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. So again, Joel is sounding this alarm, and this can seem really, really insensitive by Joel. Because if you're thinking back just to one chapter, the people have been devastated by a plague of locusts. And on top of this, Joel mentioned there needed to be a deeper work even though they've already suffered this great loss and this great devastation. And so then it begs the question, which a lot of people have for God even today, is where's God's mercy in all of this? I mean, haven't people suffered enough? Haven't people dealt with enough pain and turmoil and conflict? Where's God's mercy in all of this? Because people have already been hurting. But Joel was telling them, you actually haven't gone far enough into your own hearts, into humility, because you look at verse 13 again. You're rendering your garments, but not your hearts. And so this is a warning sign to return your hearts back to God. And it's not just about the, how serious things are on the outside and it's causing you to tear your garments off and, and causing such angst. But what's going on inside that you got to change and so this is how serious sin is, not in a moral sense, not in the sense of what is right and what is wrong, but in the sense that it separates us from God. It separates us from His love. God who desires to guide and love and save us, but we continue to rebel and we continue to turn our hearts away from Him, turning our backs toward Him. It makes us slothful to the life God gave us, a life of peace, joy, fulfillment, purpose, love. And what sin does is what the plague of locusts did. It destroys, it devours, it darkens, it kills. And so here in the next several verses, 
It's giving us a picture of this plague. Verse 3. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. So you just see this picture of the locust coming through and taking everything out. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses, they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, people are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his own path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. So you get the picture of this plague of locusts. Everything in their path is destroyed. And what Joel is attempting to paint here is a picture of how serious sin is to our spiritual lives. It just comes through and it destroys everything in its path. Joel associates these plagues, no doubt with the plagues that we find in in Exodus and Egypt. The plague of locusts was the eighth plague. The plague of darkness was the ninth plague. The plague of death was the tenth plague. And during those plagues in Egypt, the the people of God... They rejoiced as it brought salvation and deliverance to them, that they could see that this was happening to somebody else. But what they're failing to see is that in Joel, this is what is happening to them as a people of God. And they are the ones experiencing these plagues now. But it's for the same reason. It's to deliver them. It's to turn their hearts to to God, even though here it seems... Like, how can this be? How can this plague be for God's own people to bring them to salvation? But as we know, as we've been studying Daniel, Daniel gave Israel to Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 1. That it doesn't always seem like, oh, if I, if I believe in God or if I follow God or if I do this thing, that then everything just turns out great for me. No, not when our hearts are away from God then God uses things to turn us back to him, to to return to him. And sometimes God's way of deliverance isn't always comfortable or easy. Sometimes to get better, we have to go through suffering. We have to go through pain to help direct us back. And so we see this destruction. We see this deconstruction that people believe they're the exception all the time, don't we? That, oh, that's not going to happen to me, or I'm not that bad. And, and then we have this es- escapism mentality where it's like, you know, I'll, I'll be able to change my mind later. I'll be able to repent later. I'll be able to do something later. And so you run away from the things that you actually have to deal with right now. And Joel understands this sort of mentality and this sort of behavior of procrastination, of just saying, I'll wait till later. We're very, very spiritually stubborn people, aren't we? We often don't want to repent. We don't think that we need to. When the truth is, we all need to. And we all need the grace of God. 
And I realize that some of you may be thinking like, wow, what kind of message is this for Lent? Like, how come we're starting, shouldn't it be like a chipper thing that kind of brings us forward and, you know. But we're attempting to focus on returning our hearts to God. And we're attempting to rend our hearts. Not necessarily these outside actions or changing our behavior or modifying it or something like that. It's the desire for a true heart change. Now looking at verse 11 and 12, the Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And I love this phrase, yet even now. Because in the middle of all the destruction in our lives or in the world, in the middle of all this desolation, of all the chaos and the craziness anyone can go through, yet even now, there's always a hope. There's always an opportunity to return to me with all your heart. And he's not, if you notice here, he's not directing people to commandments. He's not directing them to a morality or living a certain way. It is to return to the Lord with all your heart. It's, it's a summons of repentance that even when things are really, really messed up, that there's an opportunity to return to God no matter how bad things are, how far you are from God right now, yet even now, right now, no matter how far you are, no matter what's going on in your life, return to me with all your heart. And so again, back to the background of these guys, they, they are suffering a really bad famine. The, the locusts had just come through and they're suffering here and, and they're and you're telling people that have nothing to eat to fast. Like, doesn't that seem strange? But it's fasting, weeping. The mourning is all purposeful. It is all holy. And we remember that the opposite of holy is common. So the common thing during this famine and during this locust kind of feeding through everything and destroying everything is to go look for food. That is the common thing to do. The common thing to do is not this, but yet this is sacred, telling us to return to God. And so we're not asking you to fast as a community, as a church, to be trendy or to like, you know, do something necessarily outward. Really, it's something inward, but hoping that the, this outward spiritual discipline can actually help what's going on inside to do something sacred to follow God, to return our hearts to God, and not a time to necessarily start out in excitement about this thing and say like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this thing, and great, and let the emotions run you, just later to find that you're going to complain about it and say, I'm so hungry. Like this is, why are we doing this? And man, I've done this for a week now, and it's not doing anything for me. And I just want to encourage you to stop. If, if that's where it's leading you, where you're just getting grumpy about things and it's not working for you spiritually, then stop doing it. Don't do it. And then try returning back to it later after you kind of like have some carbs or something, you know? 
The one meal thing shouldn't be hard at all. Two is a little bit harder. Skipping like a day can be hard. Skipping two days can be hard. But I'll tell you, if you do three, the third is it's done. Like that's that second day, like it's it's the worst. And then after when you get to the third, it's like eh, it can go a while. I'll, I'll do it with you. Just let me know. I want to do a longer one. I want to, like, I'm game. Let's do it. Verse 13. And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relents over disaster. And so he's saying, rend your hearts, not your garments. And we need our hearts rendered to see what that spiritual condition that we have is. What false gods have we given our hearts to? What, what have we given our hearts to? What is, what is our heart prisoner to right now? And he's saying, return it to me. Whatever you have it to is not as good of a God as I am. You know, return it. And we can have all this outward religious stuff going on, but then it's sometimes just the rendering of garments. And what we're really aiming for is that rendering of hearts. To, to have God's word take a hold of us and to be serious about it for this season, about this relationship with God. Because right now, we have this opportunity. Yet even now, we have this opportunity to return our hearts to God. Verse 14. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. God is so gracious. He is all about restoration. And you'll notice here in verse 14, it's, it's a question. Like, who knows? Who knows? We know. We know this. We know God to be merciful and gracious. We know, if you fast forward down to verse 32, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know this. And so those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. We know this. In Egypt, the eighth, ninth, and ten plagues, again, locust, darkness, death, and so here the Israelites suffer this plague of locusts. But then we fast forward a little bit in this time capsule and, and then we see Jesus, the Son of God, took upon these other plagues upon himself so that they don't have to go through that himself. When he was hanging on the cross and there was darkness upon the earth and then there was a death upon him on that cross. And this is what it's pointing us all to, that Easter Sunday when he resurrects and he ascends to the right hand of the Father, that at the cross was where he provided us light from that darkness, where he provided us life from that death. And so here the Israelites are suffering this plague of locusts, but it's also fast-forwarding to these other plagues that Jesus is actually going to pay for. That darkness, he's going to pay for that death he's going to pay for, making it possible by through, through his name that this restoration is possible 
verses 15 through 17. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, Where is their God? And so here, do you get the sense of urgency here? Like, drop everything. You're getting married? Who cares? Come on. Get out of there. We have something to do. And the prophet Joel is calling us all together to take seriously this time and come before God and humbly ask God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. Please be merciful to me. And we need to build our lives on this solid foundations. Paul, Paul gives us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, that judgment day, will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. The work built on Jesus survives, and everything else, it burns. And so as we live, we live for eternity. We, we offer everything, every day to God, building for eternity and doing something with our lives that lasts for everlasting because we all realize that our time is really short, right? Our time here is so short. Time goes by so fast. So fast that I'm having a teenager next week. Pray for me. Some of you guys have known me a long time when I was single. Wasn't that fast? That was, that was quick. And some of you have kids too. And I'm like, what happened? We were all like hanging out like two in the morning and having fun and stuff. And now it's like 10 o'clock. I'm tired. I got to go to bed. And I was like, <laughs> things have changed. And so what's, what's intoxicating us? What is desensitizing us, causing us to drift away from God? Realize that yet even now, it's never too late. Return to me with all your heart, all of it. And it's not about us getting religious. I know that we're talking about this fasting, spiritual discipline. But really what we're aiming at is rendering our hearts, not our garments. And yes, this outward action can be an important piece. But again, I'm, I'm encouraging you. If this is just causing grumpiness in your life and you're just like getting grumpy because you're not getting sugar or whatever it is, then stop. Don't, don't do it. Aim at your heart. What's happening inside? Go for that. And then press pause and then try it again later. And to just for this week, meditate on this passage. And if you can't meditate on the entire passage, take bite-sized pieces. Look at verses 11 through 13. And, and let those verses sink in. And meditate on those. And, and, and think and pray through those.
don't let this just be another year that goes by where you're distant from God. Return with all your heart. Not a piece. All of it. Turn it all over to Him. Now if you're not able to take Joel chapter 2 seriously, I think it's an indication of what the locusts have already begun to do in damaging your heart. That, that's kind of the solemn part of this whole thing. It's like if this thing is just kind of, meh, whatever, or if it's just another sermon you're hearing and it's not doing anything, then I, I think you have a really serious heart problem. And you probably don't even know what the locusts have already started to do in your life. Because when we really see our need, we, we, we really see how bad we're in need of grace. We really see the need of the mercy we need from God and the love we need from God that, I, you know what, I, I do need to return my heart to God and not just a piece of it, but, but all of it. Because the locusts have been eating away at some of us for, for years. There is something that, that has been eating away at some of us for years. Perhaps things that people don't even know what's going on. And so that's why we have that personal aspect of it there. To say like, you know, if there's something that has a hold on your life, this is the year that we're going to help you kill it. That appetite that is pulling you away from God, we're going to come around you as a community, like join a home group and have some people pray with you and, and support you through this thing. Let's starve that thing out. That thing that you can't get away from every day, but you have to do it. That thing you have to look at. That thing you have to take into your body. That thing. Kill it. It's an appetite, and we all have appetites. So we, we need to starve away those things. That's, that's part of fasting. Even food, what I think is going to keep me alive, I have God. I'm going to rely on God. The locusts are eating away. And we need to turn to the Lord for rescue, for forgiveness, for deliverance, for salvation from those things that are just going to kill you. They're going to destroy you. They're going to destroy everything in its path. And so for this season, we're going to be rendering our hearts, returning all of it towards God. And that's going to be our focus for the next couple months leading us to Easter. During this time... We're also going to have a more extended time of worship. And so these sermons are going to be cut short a little bit so that we can focus our hearts um, towards God and, and, and focus our time to, to move our hearts, returning our hearts to God. And so um, <clears throat> I'm going to pray and, and invite the worship band up. And, and during this time, we have these communion elements up here, that cracker symbolizing Christ's body broken for us and that grape juice symbolizing Christ's blood shed for us and as you take the cracker and dip it in that grape juice and we take it we take this in remembrance of Jesus' deliverance from that ninth plague from that tenth plague 
that he delivered us from that darkness. He delivered us from death. We remember this, that Jesus did that for us. And if anyone's wanting prayer, um, I'll just be in the left front pew there. Um, I'd be honored to pray with you. I'd I'd love to pray with you. Uh, Let's pray. God, we are taking this season, this time to return our hearts to you, to, to rend our hearts, to, to see what the, those things are that are tearing us apart, but rather than just letting it outwardly manifest into something else, whether that makes us go towards substance or go towards some addiction or go, go towards some relationship that's not healthy for us, which is all this rendering garments type of stuff that we'd actually do the work of rendering our hearts and returning all of it to you. So we ask God for courage for those who um, need to put something on the altar and need to deal with, with the things in their life that have this hold on them. Would you lead them to a small group of people, whether that's a home group or just people within the church that that can support them through this time? And God, would this time of fasting as a community bless you as we desire to return our entire heart to you? Pray that you would give people just a divine insight during this time as they take these steps uh, towards you. And so, Lord, would you please bless every effort that they make and that you would reveal yourself to them in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen.